So we, during this time, during this season, we've started a new series in Family Church, and it's called We Are. We Are. And we're going to go through our values as a church. Who, what do we value? What do we treasure? And um, why? And how does that work out? It's not that we've just come up with this list and it seems good to us. You know, this sounds like a good thing to do. No, these are things that we value. If you were to dissect us with genetics, Johnny is the genetic guru. He's studying genetics at his young age of 15, 15. He's into genetics. And I think I would be writing deoxyribonucleic acid. Does that ring familiar? You know, come on. I've been doing my studies too, you know. But the DNA, our DNA, if you were to cut us and do a little scrutiny of family church, you'd see what, what are we made of? This is what we're made of. These are our values, and we're going through them week by week. And Chris did a brilliant start. He did a good introduction. If you haven't heard it, go onto the Family Church app or onto the website, and all the messages are available. For they all they all uploaded onto the onto the onto the website or onto the Family Church app. And then last week we started off all the congregations. Family church, we one church, many locations. Um, this is the best one, just Amen. FYI. <laughs> but um, don't, don't just delete that bit. But, um, but we are, genuinely we are the best. But, um, and then last week we did, we are Christ-centered. Because that is the most basic, basic one for these series. And it's the grounding. It's the unchanging truth of God that will never change. So we are Christ-centered. Yeah. And today, we're going to look at, thank you, Johnny, guess which one? Servant-hearted. And I love the strap line along there, which says that we are serving one another and the purposes of God in our generation. Yeah. You know what? It's no good, you know, sort of thinking when you watch Downton Abbey, you know, oh, it was so lovely in those days. I wish I was part of your life you know, in that era. Guess what? You weren't. You're here now. For this time, for this season, and we are going to be, serve one another and the purposes of God in our generation now, in 2022. And you know, as we all are so very aware of the passing of Queen Elizabeth II um, a, a week ago, our head of state, and she, she, she gave a speech in her Christmas message in 1957. And she said these words. She said, I cannot lead you into battle. I do not give you laws or administer justice, but I can do something else. I can give you my heart and my devotion. And we know that Queen Elizabeth served this nation and the realms and the Commonwealth. And in fact, worldwide, when you mentioned the Queen, they're referring to Queen Elizabeth II, yeah. you know, but she served for 70 years. She was committed. She was fully committed to serving this nation. She was royal, and yet she was servant-hearted. This, this, this regal woman, this regal woman with her corgis, you know, but she was hardworking. She was hardworking. She was crowned, yet kind. You know, she, she knew who she was. She was humble, but she knew who she was. 
She, she, she never was swayed by the fact that she's a servant, but she's still the queen. And, um, you know, you might think, well, it was all right for her. She was living in the lap of luxury, living in castles all over the UK, living in palaces, entertaining heads of state. It must have been easy for her. But I don't believe, I don't believe it could have been easy. I think, you know, that, that she, her life was so totally dedicated, so totally committed to the cause of Christ, living the cause of the, of the common, of the monarchy, at the head of state in the UK and the Commonwealth. And so last week we shared about Jesus being the center of our lives, about being Christ-centered. So positionally, we're not going to go over that today. You can hear that on the, on the, on the messages that have been uploaded onto the, site, onto the website. Positionally, we are in Christ. Positionally, we are in Christ. And you think, what on earth are you talking about? But this week, by being servant-hearted, we're going to look at the impact of, 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 of us being in Christ. What's that look like? Well, how does it work out in our lives as we submit to him? So positionally in Christ, I'll, I'll try and explain it to you. We'll go to Ephesians chapter 2. And this is a beautiful scripture. I want to take time reading it because it is one of these that we, it's very wordy. And sometimes we can also, we, we get to know the scriptures and we can just sort of glance through it. But listen to the words. I was just meditating on this again this morning. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he has loved us. Selah, pause. Think about that. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our sin, when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. He made us alive together with Christ. Remember last week, we were dead in our sin. We were separated from God. But in Christ, we've been, that separation is spiritual death. We've been made alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he's raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What a fantastic scripture. We've been saved by grace through faith. We've been made new creatures in Christ. We were dead, we we're alive. We, our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So positionally, we're in Christ. We're in Christ, positionally. But experientially, how should that impact us? How, what, what does it look like? It sounds very spiritual, and it is. We're seated in heavenly places in Christ, but how does... I want to see it working out in our lives. Bless you. God bless you. Ephesians 2.10, the Bible tells us how this works out. It says... For we are his workmanship. Yes. We are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus. God bless you. <laughs> What's going on down there? <laughs> created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That we should walk in them. God has prepared good works for all of us 
who are in him. We are in Christ and we are under Christ. He is the head. He is the head. And as a result of being in Christ, our desire is that we love him. Like we've been singing these beautiful worship songs this morning, that we love you, we worship him. We love him, we worship him, but we also serve him. And serving God is an expression of our love. We love him first. We serve him first and foremost. But we also love one another and serve one another. Jesus is the head and we are the body of Christ. You cannot separate the two. You know, like Jesus, Jesus is the word and the word was with God and the word was God. You cannot separate Jesus from the word. You cannot separate God from Jesus. The saying, you cannot separate the body of Christ, the church, from God. You can't. Jesus is the head, we're the body. Without the head, we're nothing. With the head, Jesus at the head, we are the body. We serve him. We're under him. You cannot love Jesus and hate the church. You cannot. It's not possible. It's not possible. If perhaps you're in that position, you need to... We'll pray for you. We'll pray for you. Okay, we'll pray for you. But we've got to love the church. I've got to duck myself into a hole there. But, <laughs> but you can't separate Jesus from the church. We're here to love him. We're here to serve him and his church, one another. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here, and we are blessed. We're a blessed church, okay, with the people that come and serve, and we, we are thoroughly blessed. But let's just get on with the word, okay? So serving is an expression, it's an outworking of our love. The Bible says that greater love has no man than this, than to lay down his life for his friend. Remember, Jesus laid down his life for you and for me. And in Hebrews 10, 24, I'll just quote this, it says, let us consider one another, consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And then he goes on, not forsaking the fellowshipping of, together of the saints. But let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Man, you're doing a great job. Johnny, you're doing a great job. Thank you. Faithful guy. Faithful one. Galatians 5.13. Through love, serve one another. Through love, serve one another. So we serve God and one another because of God's great love. And God has given to us everything that we have need of in order to serve one another. We're not going to go there now, but in homework for the week, go read Matthew 25. It's the parable of the talents. And just to summarize, just in summary, I'll, I'll just try and be brief. It's about this parable is about a man who goes on a long journey and he's got um, some servants. And so he has three servants in front of him. To the one servant, he gives five talents. To another servant, he gives two talents. And to another servant, he gives one talent. And I love what the Bible says. It says that he gives to each one according to his own ability. So according to each person's ability, he gives them talents. Then this man goes away on this journey and... Um, He's, and and he, when he returns, 
He calls these servants to himself and he, he, he asks them, okay, so what have you done with the talents? And the one that had been given five talents showed him his five and another five. He had put the five to work and he, produced, he, he had an ROI, a return on investment. Okay, so he, from five, he produced 10. The guy with the two talents, same, 100% return on investment. He, instead of two, he had four. But the guy with one talent came back with his one talent and gave it to his master and said, this, here's the one you gave me because I know that you're a hard man. And I know that you, that you reap where you, don't, where you haven't sown. In other words, you're accusing him of thieving, basically, mm -hmm. that he's taking what's not his. Yes. And he says, and so I buried that talent in the ground. Why? The guy had the wrong concept of his master. He didn't understand who he was. So the one, so the one that had 10 talents, he says these words in Matthew 25, 21. He says, the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. Is that there? Yep. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That joy that you've, you've pleased the Father. And the same thing happened with the guy with the four talents. He said the exact same words. Well done, good and faithful servant. And I believe today Queen Elizabeth has heard those words. Yeah. After 70 years of commitment to this country and the nations of the world, she's, got her, she's had her well done, good and faithful servant. And then to the one who didn't produce, who had buried his talent, he took away that one and he gave it to the guy who already had 10. So the one who started off with five went to ten. Now he's got eleven, and the guy that had one, zero. Zero. And he says this in Matthew 25, 29. He said, For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. You know, God has given us everything we have need of. He's given us gifting. He's given us talents. He, he's given us, he's given him, he's given us the gifts of the Holy Spirit even to help us to, to manage life in this, in, in, in this world, in this year, in the season that we're in. Let's not bury our talents in the ground. Let's not sit on our hands. Let's turn them around. Let's turn them around, make them profitable. That's what that word means. Good and faithful means profitable. Let's be profitable in, in what we're doing. Beneficial to Jesus. Make it beneficial to Jesus. Not just to Jesus, but to his kingdom, to his church, to his people. And so we can think of no better example in the Bible to, um, who, who was the servant of them all, and that's Jesus and we, we, we see in, in John's Gospel, last week we spoke a lot from John's Gospel, John 14, when Jesus was getting ready to be crucified. And in John, the previous chapter, John 13, is the account of the Last Supper. So Jesus is aware, he's going to the cross. In a few hours' time, he's going to the cross. And we see what he does in John 13, 
verses 12 to 15, he washes the disciples' feet. One of the last things he does before he's about to go to the cross was he washes the disciples' feet. And it says in verse 12, when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. This is the God of the universe. This is the creator of the heavens and the earth. This is our, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, our, our savior, the, the, the son of God. And he says, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Jesus isn't saying you need to have a foot washing ceremony in church, okay? We're not going to be doing that, okay? Amen, we are not going to be doing, you can do whatever you like at home, go and wash your people's feet by all means, but you know what he's saying, I've given you an example that you should do as I have done. Jesus, he says, this is what I'm doing for you as a disciple. I, as your Lord and teacher, as your Lord and Savior, as Messiah, I'm doing this. If Jesus could wash the disciples' feet, how much more we can do. So we're not called to just admire Jesus. We're not called to be admirers of Jesus. We're called to be imitators of Jesus. You know what? In the same way, we're not called to be spectators. We're not called to be spectators, onlookers. We're called to be ambassadors, servants, serving the King of Kings. We're not going to be standing watching from the sidelines, watching a football game. No, man, we're going to get engaged. We're going to get our hands dirty. So let's be imitators of Jesus. And Philippians 2 is a fantastic scripture. The Apostle Paul writes this and he says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but what did he do? He made himself of no reputation. He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. How humbling. He, Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, lay aside his deity. He lay aside his deity and he says, let this mind be in you. Be, be imitators of God. Do the same thing that, that Jesus did. Let this mind be in you. And Jesus' mind was that he would humble himself, that he would serve, that he would be a bond servant. That is a servant by, by choice. And we have a choice to be, to serve. You know what, in Mark's gospel, he says that the Son of Man did not come to, to be served, but to serve and to give himself a ransom for many. Jesus, that's, that's our Jesus that we love. So how does this work out? Just some thoughts about this. First and foremost, we're not called to be volunteers. Okay, that might come as a bit of a surprise, but what are you talking about, Sandy? We're not called to be volunteers, we're called to be servants. The word volunteer actually appears in the Bible once, and I think it's sort of in a remote, like Ezra or something in the Old Testament. 
But in the New Testament, volunteer doesn't come. It doesn't appear. But the word servant does. So volunteering is a secular term. But serving is a kingdom term. It's a kingdom term. And you know what? I'm not against volunteers. We praise God for volunteers. You know, these, these people that may be doctors and um, medical, medical people that are, that are trained medically and they go into countries that, have, that are short of trained medical staff and they will go there for a season and for a, for a time and bless the people and, and serve them and, and treat, their, treat them in whatever way is needed, whether it's, you know, whether it's glasses or whatever, hearing aids, whatever the case may be. But they are there for a short period of time and then they, go, they will come back and co- carry on with their practice or whatever it might be. So it's not their entire lives. Yeah. It's for a season. Yeah. It's just for a time of their lives. But God hasn't called us to be volunteers. Yeah. He's not called us to sort of dip in, dip out. Yeah. Nah, sort of hang around the sides, dip in, dip out. No. He's called us, he's called us to live for his cause. He's called us to live for his cause, to be a servant of the cause of Christ, to be a servant of the cause of Christ, to be committed to it. You know, in in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says these words, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God. He's not an add-on. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added And as we do so, as we seek first the kingdom of God, there's a natural outworking. You can't help it. You can't help it. You just do it. And you serve and love one another. And I love that this value isn't just about serving. Like, oh, here we go again. She's going to ask us to fill out our names on a rotor, and we're going to be committed to this, that, and the other. No. What I love is it's not just about serving. It's about being servant-hearted. It's about having that heart of a servant. We're not looking for uh, rewards. We're not looking, instead, we're just giving up our rights to serve others. And servants want God to look good. They're not trying to get the credit for themselves. They want God to get glorified. It's about God getting noticed through what we do. And we see this in Matthew chapter 6. Yep, Johnny, you got it? Matthew chapter 6. There we go. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a da-da-da-da, sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, don't let your left hand know what the right's doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. It's about doing things, to, you're just doing it to serve God. You're not doing it to get applause or acclaim from man. Servant. Being servant-hearted is how we walk out our path 
on this earth. It's how we journey through the, 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 the journey that God has planned for us. So I've got a bunch of characteristics here about what it looks like to be servant-hearted. So first of all, a servant is not me-focused. It's not all about me. The servant doesn't have demands, and the servant doesn't have an agenda. The servant says, where's the greatest need? What can I do to fill it? And, I've, and we are blessed with a number of people that have this attitude. My heart is to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, I'll do it. I'll do that. You know what, at one time we were in a church in Wales, we were there for a number of years, and, and we heard this message, um, and it stuck with me, um, about saying no. And I, I, I agree that no can be an anointed word, but, the, but the, there is a time and there is, a, there is a season to say no, but how about saying yes? You know, will you put out the chairs? Yes. Will you make tea? Yes. Will you do the sound? Yes. Just say yes. Just yes, yes Lord, I'll do whatever, but do it as unto God, yeah. not as unto man. Yeah. I love that, uh, you know, we've got these 12 values with Family Church that we're going through, this is value number two. But we also have another set of values for the leadership of the church. And one of our values, our leadership values, is that we are a can-do people. We are a can-do people because we get things done. We get things done. It is brilliant. It's fantastic. You go into a meeting and it's like, can you do this? Okay, yeah, we'll do that. We'll do it. And I tell you what, God's grace, we sang about God's grace this morning. His grace is upon us. We are a can-do people. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So servants also so are not me-focused. Servants make sacrifices. Serving will cost you. It will cost you. And you might not be fully appreciated. Ah, that hurts. That's hurtful. You might, you know, but the unseen, it's what you do in the, when no one's looking. And it's not looking for affirmation. You know, I just think of, of this morning here. Kids' church. Where's Amy today? And previously it's been others. There's Amy in kids' church. That's doing it in, in, without being seen. Yes, she's been seen by the kids. But what a blessing. What a sacrifice. You know, to, yes, it is a blessing to serve the kids, but it's a sacrifice to give up a Sunday service to go. She's got to prepare for it, and she's had, she's had to go, she has to go and serve there. What about hanging out banners? I mean, week after week, Andrew, and I'm not trying to draw attention to you, but week after, but I am, week after week, putting out the banners, yeah. putting out the banners, that's unseen. Yeah. No one sees it, they just walk past the banner, oh, the banner's there, thank you, Andrew, thank you for your faithfulness, thank you for sacrificing, even in the pouring rain, yeah. Andrew's out there, yeah. comes back in sopping wet, yeah. sometimes we don't even say thank you, mm-hmm. goes home, he's got a good heart, he's got a good attitude, he's not offended, he hasn't left us yet, Boiling kettles for tea. <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs> Boiling kettles for tea. How unseen is that? And you think, but this isn't very spiritual. Well, this is what's got to happen on a Sunday morning. This is what, this is what gets this thing done. 
you know, we're here to serve God. We're here to worship God. We're here to create this wonderful atmosphere of the presence of God. But it takes work. W-O-R-K. Work. And we love it. We love it. But anyway, we're making a point. Okay, so servants. Servants will do inconvenient things at inconvenient times. You know what? I'm certain that there were days when the queen must have felt like, I don't want to be queen today. Yeah, can't I just put on my jodhpurs and go for a ride in the countryside? <laughs> you know, <laughs> or can I just put on a tracksuit and go to Tesco's and buy some dog food for, for, for the corgis? You know, I'm sure she must have felt like that. It was inconvenient, but no, she stayed committed for 70 years. She was committed. And, I, you know, I think about the parable, parable of the Good Samaritan. You know, in, in the Bible, there's this parable where, where this guy travels down from Jerusalem and he's, he, he's beset upon by some robbers and some thieves and they beat him up, they strip him of everything, of his clothes, of his money, his, of his substance, and he's left lying at the side of the road. And the religious guys come past and they see the need. But it's inconvenient. They're on their way to temple or shul or church or whatever it is, but it's inconvenient mm -hmm. to stop for the guy. And then along comes a guy, a Samaritan. That guy that got beaten was most likely a Jew. Samaritans and Jews hated one another. They didn't associate with one another. But the Samaritan stopped, dressed his wounds, gave him something to eat, gave him something to drink, put him on his donkey, paid for his accommodation at the B&B. &B. He, he took care of him. He, and, and at the end of that parable, Jesus says, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. When it's inconvenient, when it's inconvenient, let's do it. Let's do it. Like that scripture Chris quoted earlier, Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. You know, I think sometimes we do that. Hey, it's like it's, it's, it's slightly inconvenient at this stage for me to help you. So, it's, but it's in my power. But let's not, let's not have that attitude. Hey, do not withhold good from, from, from those to whom it is due when it's in your power. So servants are needs-sensitive. What's the need? I'll arrange my schedule to meet that need. And I'm, I'm picking on Amy again. She will arrange her schedule to meet needs. I believe she worked until 10 o'clock last night, and then she started preparing for kids' church at 10 o'clock last night. People, we need, we need people in church, kids' church, okay? We need people to help in kids' church. But she arranged her schedule to meet the need. Having a servant heart is not about convenience. It's not about convenience, but it's about commitment. It's about commitment. Earlier this week, I went, I was very blessed to go somewhere with a friend for some, for a breakfast. And we had bacon and eggs. And it made me think, so which is the greater sacrifice? The, the chicken or the pig? Which is the greater one? Well, I'll put it to you this way. The chicken was involved. The chicken was involved. 
but the pig was committed. Okay? <laughs> the chicken is the volunteer, but the pig, you know, the pig is the, is the one that laid down his life. He's the committed one. He held nothing back. It wasn't convenient, it wasn't suitable, but he laid down his life. You know, we praise God for the eggs. We praise God for the, ah, I love a lovely, runny, yummy egg. But where would we be without the pig? You know, the pig is committed. He, he literally has skin in the game. That's where that expression comes from, I'm convinced. Having skin in the game. You've got a vested interest in this. And I think of it like this, that the chicken is the volunteer. He's like that volunteer. He has a different mindset. That she does. Has a different mindset. She'll pop in and she'll pop out. And at times, might even have the attitude, if you don't treat me right, I'm going. Oh, can't believe I've said that. Yes. And you know what? If the chicken could talk, it might even say things like, you're lucky I'm here. <laughs> Be thankful that I'm here today. <laughs> but don't ask me to put myself out. I'm not going to inconvenience myself. Okay, I'm here and I will lay eggs as and when I want to. When I don't want to, when it's nothing good for me, and there will be a season when the egg, when the chicken, when the hen doesn't lay an egg, when, the, when they don't want to give birth in the cold winter seasons, then they stop producing eggs. It's not convenient anymore. I'm going to stop laying eggs. So that's a volunteer. That's a heart of a volunteer. But we're not volunteers. Let's be pigs, people. Let's be pigs. Come on, you didn't think you were coming to church to learn about being a pig? How to be a pig? How to be a pig? A, 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 a volunteer can sometimes have a self-fulfilling agenda. What's in it for me? What am I going to get out of this? What's in it for me? How can my needs be met? That hen has a need to produce eggs. How can my needs be met? I'm going to produce little eggs. So, but we're not like that. We are the pig. We're going to be committed. We're not just going to be connected. We're going to be committed. Get committed to the cause of Christ. Get committed to the cause of Christ. We're not called to just respect God, to just admire Him, to sing about Him, but, and to worship Him, but to serve Him, to be committed to Him. We need to adjust our lives around Him. Jesus be the center of our lives. And lastly, servants have a humble heart. Servants have a humble heart. Listen to this. If you're too big for the small things, you're too small for the big things. It's so true. If you're too big for the small things, you are too small for the big things. Let's be like Jesus. Let's be like Jesus. Let's make sure that each one of us are going to have a well done, good and faithful servant. Let's step up. Let's serve. Let's, what needs to be done? And let's get it done.